0: Another week of our podcast, Med Family. I'm Eric Acker, the host with Karen. Hey guys. Uh we've been trying to toss back and forth different ideas for what we're gonna talk about this week. So um I, I, we were talking back and forth just a minute before we started the podcast. I'll let Karen, I guess, pick the the one that she comes comes to mind first.
1: Oh, okay. Well let's just kind of start with our our week. So Eric is I know he talked touched on this last week, but he started the CPAP, and I think he has been sleeping better, and <laughs> <laughs> in all honesty, so have I. Um, it is... Um quieter, (laughs) but um, we seem to have gotten a cold again, so that's fun, but at least it's not uh, high fevers or throwing up, so I will take it as opposed to the previous sicknesses that have gone on in our house, Um, and quite frankly, I think Eric and I have it the worst, the kids that kind of just roll with it, but um, we... Went to the aquarium this weekend.
0: Yeah, first time going to the Georgia Aquarium. Yeah.
1: Um, the kids enjoyed it. I think Eric and I enjoyed it, but maybe to a lesser extent than the kids. I mean, when you're fielding five kids and trying not to lose one, when they just.
0: Four of them are oh. loose and mobile.
1: <laughs> Four are lucid and mobile and one is being held. Um, we thought about bringing the stroller and decided against it. And I. I think I'm glad that we did. I, I, I can't imagine... It's 50-50. Yeah, I can't imagine pushing a double stroller through that crowd, but at the same time, it would have been nice to not have to be as alert all the time.
0: Yeah, I'm finding I'm not as much of a crowd person.
1: <laughs> but um, it, is, it is a year pass, so we should be able to go a few more times before we move, if we move. Um... So that's nice. I mean, the year pass only costs like ten dollars more per person than the the oh, one it's, time. It's only
0: for Georgia residents. Yeah,
1: it's only for Georgia residents. So, I mean, that was nice. Um, so probably after match, we'll probably try and go on a weekday versus a weekend and right when they open, and that'll probably be better. But the kids very much enjoyed it, and they actually knew more fish than I thought they did. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, for National Geographic, right? It yeah, um, <laughs>
0: did pretty good. Just, yeah, just, again, huge crowds. I I think next time we'd probably want to go on a weekday, which is probably why you mentioned aftermatch when we don't have any obligations, uh, time, or well, time commitments.
1: Yeah, but it was good. Um, it was a spontaneous day trip. And on the way back, we took the liberty of just driving, um, past, um, one, one of the one of the residencies so um just to kind of get a feel of the area and um what housing might be like if that was where we matched um or,
0: or maybe just where we maybe not to look for housing yeah <laughs> we're not which to which look for housing we, <laughs> i think we randomly picked a house that was for sale and we didn't really know we don't really know the area obviously and we just drove by it and it was like, oh yeah, we definitely don't want to buy a house here. Like, <laughs> this is not the best of neighborhoods. This is uh, a little bit more run down. Um, being from Oregon, we kind of likened it to like Eighty Second Avenue, uh, <laughs> where there's like a bunch of used car dealerships and um, more uh, interesting characters. <laughs> and so it's like, Well, we don't. Not we're not really sure we wanted to have a house a block off that road. So,
1: um, but I mean, it led to some interesting conversation and like, I didn't realize that during a lot of Eric's, um, interviews when it got to like this, the residency portion he had asked, like what area around, what areas do you live or do residents tend to, to purchase or rent? And so that actually was nice when we, we started to go through all of the interview notes we're not through it yet and we are up in the air as to where certain things are going to rank and why, but it was interesting. So the other thing that we were tossing out before, um, we started recording was the different doctors that Eric has rotated with. And when they see the list and their responses to our current list of interviews, um, it is interesting what their take on it is
0: there's like they definitely have some similarities and some differences and so say one second here (laughs) (coughs) sorry so have some coughing going on Um, so a lot of the similarities is that they tend tend to rank or value uh, university programs uh, better than community programs which I think is uh, pretty typical. Um, in general, university programs have a little bit more resources devoted to research, obviously. Uh, also, university programs have a lot of money devoted to research and development of uh, residents, whereas community programs might divert that money or invest that money slightly different ways. So, uh, community programs aren't traditionally seen as the best locations to end up as a resident. They're not the worst, they're just, um, generally speaking, people try to go for the university programs. Those are the most sought after. And by and large, the last two preceptors I've had have, so there's that neurology preceptor and Dr. Poku, who's my cardiologist, uh, uh, electrophysiology uh, preceptor, would agree, I think both agree that community programs uh, would be less uh, advantageous than a university program. Uh, they might have some disagreements as far as like how big of a difference it makes and how big of a difference it you know because I think generally speaking, you're going to get an education regardless of which program you go to. You're going to you're going to get the same, um, not the same experience, obviously, but you're going to get a lot of. Similar experiences, a lot of exposure, and a lot of training time, (laughs) and do a lot of work. Uh, It's just, it will kind of result in at the end of your three years uh, or however long your residency is, um, how well set up are you for fellowships? How well is your program known to fellowship programs? And uh, those sort of things like that might play a role. So Uh, what what that kind of means is like okay well if you wanted to go to a very particular fellowship a very competitive fellowship and uh, university programs tend to offer an easier pathway because you can get publications a little bit easier you can and that's not to say that community programs don't offer the ability to do publications i think uh, for example uh, hca programs which there's a ton of HCA hospitals, none, none of which I've interviewed at. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there there is HCA programs that have tons of hospitals. Well, they can pull data on the patients for possible research from all their hospitals. So you can have a giant pool of patients you could... Query and get some data, some really good data on it would be like prospect, uh, be retrospective uh, information, so not not a prospective study, but it's still something that you could possibly get some good data on and publish something. So there is an advantage there.
1: Uh, Right. And then there's some community programs that kind of make up for the difference in that if they offer a fellowship, they offer first to. Um, their current residents or a certain number of slots to current residents that they have. And then they offer the others to outside. So your probability of getting a residency is increases. So it kind of makes up for the difference of not necessarily having all of that
0: going for it. And we kind of mentioned that many, many podcasts ago where we were trying to decide of which places we should hire, um, Value more highly, or is it going to be programs that have fellowships attached to them, programs that have better success at matching their residents to fellowships? Uh, that's obviously <laughs> a debate. A hotly it's still debated. a bait. <laughs> debate.
1: Debate well, because
0: like a lot of programs, there's, and there's a notion of um, part of the I guess the term, but inbreeding, where programs don't want their entire fellowship class or even any of the fellowship class to be from their own program because then they don't get new blood, new ideas, etc. Um, but then there are definitely programs out there that do take from their resident classes. And so there's conflicting ideas out there whether in, uh, quote unquote inbreeding should be um, encouraged or not encouraged and whatnot. And of course, that then varies on how you view the residency program, like whether or not you think that program is going to be favorable towards inbreeding or not. Obviously, as a resident, like as a prospective resident, like uh, inbreeding is great for me. Like if I can can land a fellowship in a very competitive fellowship specialty, then that would be the ideal. I mean, I'm still going to work hard and I'm going to try to be a competitive candidate just on the off chance I don't. Uh, I'm not necessarily looking for the easiest path, but at the same time, like why would you, why would you not take a path that's a little bit more paved for you? Uh, still put in the hard work and still try to be an exceptional doctor, but like, why would you not try to set yourself up for success? I mean, it's just as so. This is one of my um, one of my current precepts. Critique is that well, you should work hard and try to get into a really good program and not just go for the easy one. But the, same, the counter argument there is like, well, you do that at the same time if you go to like a very big university, well-known university program, you are setting yourself on a nice pathway to a fellowship because uh, fellowships will go, oh, well, you're from this university? And the name itself has credentials behind it and gives them an idea, kind of a, a shorthand for how good of a student or how good of a resident you are. Because uh, some, some residency programs are well-known. Uh, obviously, I mean, you you hear John Hopkins, you hear Columbia, you hear Mayo, Mayo, Penn State. Like you immediately go, okay, and that must be some pretty ex- exceptional doctors that work there and come out of those programs. Um, so like obviously, those doctors might have a slight bit of an edge just because of the name recognition. Whereas if you go from you come from a more small rural, well, even not even all that role, but a community program that's like, well, this program just popped up, you know, two years ago. Nobody knows anything about the program, and nobody knows, you know, what kind of quality of doctors do they produce. So, um, you are at a little bit of a disadvantage. But if that small little program has a fellowship attached to it, well, that's kind of like giving yourself a little shortcut there. Like, yeah, I'm not in a big university program. I couldn't make it into one of those. But, hey, I am now... Uh, on a short shorter list for comp- competition for a couple fellowship spots. Like, well, okay, so you've either got a, a shortcut at a really good university with a big name recognition or you got a shortcut because of a, a community program that has a fellowship attached. Anyway. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, and I would say it, it has been nice because, like, like I said, Eric uh, talked over his list with Dr. Poku, and I think he got some added insights because that he is wanting to go in, he thinks he wants to go into a cardio fellowship. Um, And Dr. Poku knows several people. So when they were talking through different programs and who works there and um, whatnot, some of them raised higher on the list, not necessarily because of, We liked all of them, but because of who was actually teaching. Yeah, um,
0: he, he had recognized a few names and was like, this person's a, a very good cardiologist. Uh, you would do well if you learned underneath them. Because um, he, He's in uh, the National Board for Cardiology. I, I can't remember exactly which chapter or whatnot he's involved in, but he gets to meet a lot of cardiologists, and he's also very well read and um, research individual so he, he is uh, I think pretty well known in his field um, so I, I and yeah very smart very capable individual I I tend to think that he his advice is probably good advice uh, so when he says at this particular program you're gonna find a really good doctor uh, I'll pay attention to that uh, you know I'll try to go okay well then maybe i should put them a little higher on our list uh maybe that should be ranked and it's hard because it's like well cardiology is something i think that i would like to go into but you know three years is a long time to you know we go through intern year to second year and third year um cardiology fellowship would be you know four and five years um in, in, in four and five years so It's hard to know, like, okay, in three years, am I really going to want to do cardiology? Well, I don't know, but at the same time, I don't want to close that door, so I think I do. I think that's where we're headed, but um, I don't know. I can't say like with 100% certainty that's where we're going to end up, you know, in in maybe three years, I go, you know what? I would just rather live a hospital life and (laughs) a hospitalist lifestyle and uh, do it like that. and not go after cardiology, you know, who knows? Um, but, you know, at the same time, it's like, I don't want to close any doors to cardiology. So we're trying to keep that in mind and and how we pick things.
1: Right. And, and I don't know. I, fi- I find it interesting. And I think that everybody that we have talked to kind of approaches it a little bit differently. And I think some of it, ha- like, I think we approach it differently because... We are married, we have five kids, versus somebody who's single or somebody who's dating or newly married. fewer
0: kids. (laughs) No kids,
1: yeah. But, like, for for example, um, Patrick and Payson, we've had them on here before. um, Like, she's going to have to get re-licensed. Technically,
0: we... We have, uh, this is the episode I
1: haven't edited. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, sorry. We had
0: Patrick on before. We haven't technically <laughs> published one with Payson. We, <laughs> so ha- we have we have a backup that. that we
1: haven't edited yet. Anyways, Payson is a lawyer, so she would have to get relicensed in whatever state that Patrick matches in, and so like that has a bearing on it um, versus like. I, I have not worked since Eric entered medical school. I worked up oh, until... Yes, because
0: raising five kids <laughs> isn't hard at all.
1: <laughs> but, I mean, we don't have to take my job into account. We just, like, yeah, we might take schools into account. We might take cost of living into account. Or, or not might, but we like, are...
0: We don't have tra- think about how is Karen going to transfer her job to a new location. Right,
1: right. And then um, like we've had Matt Farrar and his girlfriend on, and like, she has the advantage of being able to work remotely. So like that doesn't affect them. So, uh, he can pick pretty much wherever, um, and not necessarily take that into account. I mean, I'm sure that he's taking into account where she wants to live and all that stuff, but, um, it is just kind of interesting to see what ends up Um, boiling to the top and different um, perspectives on programs, because we'll have different people who have interviewed at same program, maybe different specialties or whatnot, but just their perspective on how the interview went and how the program is and what might be a red flag for them or what might not be a red flag where you, you had came away with a different perspective and it's just kind of interesting to throughout this whole process, just to kind of talk to everybody and see, yeah. I, I tend to
0: fall into the category that was like an aggregate of data is better than one single data source. So like my interview experience is one data source and I, I try to try to base a lot of things based off of how I felt things went and how I perceived things. Um, but a lot of times if you can get other data points as well of how other students that you trust perceive things. Because as much as I would like to think that every medical student out there is good-willed and good-natured and all have the same mentality that I do, that's not necessarily true. I mean, there are some more competitive individuals out there that would be happy to lure you away from their prize programs so that they can have better assurances that they match or whatever. I that's I haven't met anyone particularly that comes to mind for that, but I wouldn't put it past certain individuals to do it. Um, but all that to basically say is that there's a good number of students that you know in my in my cohort here at Trinity that I tend to trust a lot of what they say because uh, I, a lot of my peers in in this class in this particular term. We all tend to still have this mentality that we all want to help each other get to the right end point. Like, nowhere along the way were we trying to make sure the other person, another person, failed a class. We, nobody was making fake study guides with wrong answers just to make sure people failed. Uh, we all generally worked pretty hard and studied hard and had really good, decent habits to help us get through med school. Um, but we're all very supportive of each other. So I, I would tend to think that everyone would be pretty honest with each other, like, hey, what's, what are you liking, what are you not liking? And I know that's, that hasn't been true for previous terms, not necessarily because of a lack of trust, but just uh, there's always this notion that you need to be hush-hush about your interviews and you need to not con- uh, talk to others because, well, well, they're only going to match. You know, there's only going to be nine residents for this program, and if you really want to be one of those nine, you maybe you hope that uh, you rate them high. The program makes you relatively high, and the people you know that might be going thinking about that program don't rank them high or something like that. Like you, you don't, and they get it at some level. Like there's definitely programs that I'm interested in. And I'm like, man, I hope. I am ranking them high enough, and I hope they rank me high enough, and I hope a few students out there do not see them as their first choice, you know, like, (laughs) so that I get, I get to be in a program, like, obviously, at the end of the day, I want to match somewhere, and I certainly would want to match in my top three, um, um, then, obviously, you know, in my top three would be fantastic, in my middle, uh, so I have, like, a top three, a middle four, and a bottom three. Like, the middle four would be pretty great. Bottom three, I, you know, we, we can make it work. I, it's not going to be the best place I would love to have be um, for, I think, reasons we previously mentioned. <laughs> you could read be between the lines and figure that out. <laughs> um, but I would be pretty happy with any matching just in general. So, like, obviously, you just want to match. And so there's a little bit of gamesmanship, I think, in everyone's mind that, you know, how you would perceive at the same time it's like well i want all my friends i want all the people i go to school with to match and you know we're we're, going to put in our numbers we're going to put in our match ranking and we're just going to find out when the chips fall in march like (laughs) and we don't always have a lot of control over it and i certainly I don't want to try to trick a friend out of a, a match opportunity. And actually, there's also something nice about the idea that there's a possibility that we can both match at a location and I, w- I will actually know someone starting off day one in a program. So who knows? Uh.
1: Yeah, well, and that is the other thing. Like, we have reached out to people that have matched at locations that we have interviewed at um, from Trinity. And that has also been nice because you get kind of a little bit more... Like, cause when you interview, you get like the benefits package, you get all this stuff. But if you, you get a better realistic idea of, okay, this is what you take home each month after your insurance has been paid out and your taxes have been taken out and everything. So this is really what your monthly budget would be. And, so uh, at least for me that's helpful. <laughs> so, yeah, at first
0: I was like who did we talk to? <laughs> oh, and then it dawned on me like yeah Matt. we we had Matt Bar- Barvo on the show and we interviewed at the place he ended up and so it was, at first I was like you know I have emailed and plus you know plus or minus on this one but I have emailed former Trinity alumni uh, to get inside information on the programs that maybe I applied to and none of the ones I applied to that I am e- also emailed actually ever got back in touch with me and also none of those ones uh, I ever was able to secure an interview at so um, doesn't really matter now <laughs> but uh, that certainly was a little bit disappointing for certain ones I was like man I really would love a little bit more information some inside scoop and you know the alumni aren't particularly interested in uh, corresponding and you know that's not for everybody and uh, to be completely fair it was you know people who had just matched the last year so they were in their intern year so you know how how many interns are checking their email and going oh look there's, a, there's a, a third year going on to a fourth year Trinity student for my old school who has a million questions about my program how much time do I have to sit down and write down paragraphs like no, I would rather spend time with my family. I would rather go shopping or take a bath, sleep, whatever it is. Like, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure that's probably the motivation as opposed to being like I. I don't have time to talk to this person with endless questions. Uh,
1: yeah, but I mean, you do get those. You do get those people that are willing to, and it's helpful. It, yeah. it really is. But
0: I guess I, I do like commute again. Kind of going back to previous terms where they didn't really talk to each other about the interviews that they had the questions that they were given uh, and the experiences that they were really going through a lot of that was kind of I don't know it was really like keeping the cards close to the chest whereas I feel like this year a lot of our students are talking to each other and that's not necessarily we're not going oh well the interview is structured like this and you're going to get these questions and like we're not giving away the entire game obviously it's like well you know i got asked these questions i got asked questions you're going to get asked questions so you know everyone has to prepare for the interview the correct way and you know i'm not going to give an unfair advantage to my my fellow students like they no, they're adults they can figure it out
1: it's more like the feel of the program the feel you got from the program what you thought of it what, what possible red flags what what questions did you ask oh i didn't think to ask that when i interviewed those types of things not necessarily what were you asked and yeah. what was your answer like there
0: were definitely mm-hmm. questions that i and this was like came out of like when i was in my rotation with Dr. Poku questions that I wish I would have asked earlier in my interview cycle. Uh, you know, it's a questions like, you know, how, how do you recruit faculty for your program, especially when it comes to community programs? Because So taking a few steps back here, university programs, typically the university hospital will hire faculty members that perform a function at the hospital. So let's say a hospitalist, they perform a hospitalist role, but as part of their contract with the hospital, they also have to provide teaching. They have to provide a certain level of instruction to the residents, and that is part of the basically the terms of their employment. And so they they don't get to say no. They don't get to say, "Well, I'd rather not do that. I'd rather just be a hospitalist and not do anything else." Uh, so they are hired directly by the hospital, um, and and this is you know this is what I've been told by a few uh, by my current preceptor, Dr. Poku. Um, Whereas at community hospitals, Uh, sometimes it is is a wide variety. Sometimes the program has hired faculty members, uh, let's say a hospitalist, to to teach students. Uh, And sometimes they've hired a hospitalist group and said, hey, I will pay you a little extra if you teach students. Uh, the issue, why that's an important question, uh, obviously, the ones that are hired to teach or know that they have to teach and might be eager to teach and, well, you know, assumingly, might be pretty good teachers. Like, you know, if you sought to go out into a university program for employment and you know that the terms of your employment were to teach students, presumably you would be like, I'm ready and eager to teach students. And... So and knowing that interns have lots of questions and need lots of help, I'm, I'm going to be available. Whereas, let's say you were a hospitalist in a hospitalist group, you know, working your seven days on, seven days off, and suddenly, like, your, your group got contracted by the local residency group to start teaching residents. You're like, well, I just want to punch in and punch out, like... Yeah, I mean, $500 a week extra, whatever it is, is pretty nice, but like, once this becomes a headache, I don't want to deal with it anymore, and I can back out of this. So, there's not as much uh, influence that the residency program can exert upon those people. Like, they can't be like, well, you really need to sit and talk to them. You need to be more available to the interns. You got to be. A better teacher, like well, I don't need that, so I'll just get go away. And the resident secret might just go, whoa, whoa, whoa. We still need faculty, so uh, we're gonna. I don't know. I, well, it's, it's
1: kind of. <coughs> I'll I'll harken it back to like so. Erica weighs away rotations when he was talking to um some U.S. medical mm-hmm. students, and they were talking about their third year rotations and how. Well, you're just there to observe. And Eric was like, well, I didn't observe on my orthopedic um, rotation or my hospital's rotation. Like, I was taking notes. I, w- I actually, like, helped amputate a leg. I like <laughs> I was an
0: active member.
1: I was yeah. an active member. in, And so I felt like my rotations, I actually did more in my third-year rotations than I'm being allowed to do in my fourth-year away rotation. And so it, it that's kind of the, the what I would imagine the difference would be from having a, um, a faculty member that was hired to teach versus a faculty member that is also teaching.
0: I, I don't know. That might be maybe too simple. So I, I doubt any mm-hmm. residency program wants to see the residents become wallflowers. But, that's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but I think that there's, there's also also variations within certain programs, even university ones. Um, I've talked to a few. So one program I interviewed with where I asked about procedures, that's another question I tend to ask them is, you know, what's the availability or possibilities of doing procedures? And in internal medicine, there's not a ton of procedures that we do, but we do place like IJs, we can place, um, we can intubate patients, we can... Uh, possibly do lumbar injections we can do a whole host of things but you know not surgery obviously and uh, you know it's good things to kind of just learn things that you know learn to make you a relatively competent doctor Uh, you don't have to have it as a tool that you have but it's nice to have a wide tool belt to kind of pull from so that when you graduate you know wherever you end up you can you can possibly pull it out and be like I have training and doing all this, these different things and so you're not just limited to like well I'd have to kind of refresh my memory on how that was done I haven't done that ever so um, but certain programs uh, when it came to procedures they said well the ICU is opposed and that's generally when you do a lot of your procedures it's during your ICU rotation and it's opposed which means that another residency group is in there with you so like for example emergency medicine residents will do an ICU rotation so while you're on your ICU rotation that you could be with emergency medicine residents and everyone is trying to get procedures done. Emergency medicine students or residents tend to want to do more of the procedures because uh, when they're in the ED they might have to be able to do a lot of that stuff uh, on the fly and whereas an internal medicine person may not want to do those things on, on a regular basis. So E D you know, in those cases like in so certain interviews they say, well it's opposed, but hey, if it's your patient, you get first dips. So no one gets to te- you know, push you off of a push you off of a patient and say, No, no, you don't get to do that. Uh, the E D resident's gonna do it. If it's your assigned patient, you can do everything you want. Uh, other programs said, Yes, you can do procedures, but you have to have the right preceptor attending that's willing and comfortable enough to teach you which kind of tells me I kind of flip a coin like if you're on a four-week rotation and uh, I don't know like all those weeks you have a particular attending that doesn't really want to teach uh, procedures then well you're just not going to do procedures so um, that then of course there's programs that have a different strategy where it's like yes you can learn from your attendings but also, if another resident, a senior resident, or just another resident has been trained and basically signed off on those procedures, uh, they can teach you. So you don't even need an attending. Uh, so you have these different flavors of I it. Mean, it's kind of nice to know. And again, questions you wish you would have asked earlier in the rotate, uh, in the application cycle, as opposed to later. Uh, but again, like things you can learn from your preceptors, you know about programs and also. Uh, things that you can when you talk to other medical students going through the same application process, if you kind of share this information, like hey, these are the things I'm kind of asking, uh, that's kind of my way of evaluating the program because you know, these are Zoom interviews in Zoom, um, you know, 15 20 minutes, um, and with a slideshow, you know, like I, I don't know, well, sorry, the interviews are like three hours, four hours long, but. And you have like a slideshow and it's like, you don't really get a great grasp of like your day-to-day life and uh, every aspect of a residency that you might actually want to know about. So, uh, I guess all that really to say is like, I I really do appreciate the open conversation a lot of us medical students have had um, where we kind of share a lot of information And, and like there's a few residents of medical students that I'm with that will apply into the same program, but it's a lot of us that we're applying to very different programs or, you know, diff- we have, I think Brandon West, we've had him on the podcast a few times. And I don't think we have a single program that overlaps.
1: No. And I would have, I mean, I think we, we made pretty this,
0: similar applications, yeah,
1: pretty similar applications, pretty similar numbers, pretty similar personal statements. And yet they got interviews at, very different programs.
0: Yeah, yeah, and but I think they, again, this is one of those examples of like prioritization. Like, what what do they prioritize when they send out their applications versus what we did, and what are they discussing now versus what we discussed You know, I, I think there was discussions from certain medical students about, okay, where where would you uh, was basically looking at board scores. Like, okay, is the board scores in these programs really good like people are passing uh, on their first try and high percentages or you know are they low and so some medical certain, some medical students chose to go after programs that had high board score pass rates I, we took a different approach because of family and whatnot. we really emphasized cost of living <laughs> ability to pursue a career in cardiology so fellowship um, uh, feasibility and uh, region, like obviously, I think region and cost of living kind of went hand in hand. Um, so those are things we emphasized. That's not to say I don't care about board passing scores, but I, I, I don't know how I feel about them because they, well, they they're a double edged sword. Because uh,
1: part of it's, on, I think we we are we came down to, well, I guess part of it's on the program is how well they they teach, but then I mean. Most of it's on you and how well you prepare, just like with step one and step two, right? You're
0: yeah, you. It's you. You're the one taking the exam. You're gonna, you know, you need to study the material. You need to get study material to study, and then you have to take the the exam. Obviously, like okay, well, the program has year after year of low board scores, so they're gonna get hit with a probation or something like that, Uh, and then of course, like so it's a double-edged sword. So Is it they only attract students of a certain caliber that seem to struggle with those tests? Do they not provide enough exposure to the students that they feel like they have a well-rounded education that they can take those tests and pass them? Is it that... um,
1: the students are worked a certain number oh, of hours yeah. that they're too tired because yeah, like can't that, study was, for
0: the boys. that was
1: something on like one of the ways where we're like okay well if we were to match here, we would probably purchase study material before before you started your residency and start studying ahead of time because of the hours seemed to be requested yeah. of you. <laughs> you're
0: going home late at night and you want to spend any time with your family, like then you would have no more time to study. <laughs> and so it's like, well, you got to build a past step three and then past your uh, internal medicine boards in your third year. like And then, of course, you have all the other uh, benchmark exams throughout the whole process. So, uh, yeah, so let's like, not say... Like, like, what I'm basically trying to say is, like, board scores are interesting, but I'm not really sure... There's a lot of variables that go into w- making them good or bad. And me myself, I am one of those variables. you know how good of a student am I, how diligent am I on studying? those sort of things. So I tend, tended to not make that govern who, which programs I applied to. Um, certainly, like okay, if I got an interview at a program that had a historically low board scores, Uh, you might might um, take a little bit closer look at the program during the interview and try to see if you can glean any red flags like is there something about the residence or the the program and the hours or whatever that seems to indicate that people may not do well on on boards because you know like Karen said time allotment if they're working you so much that you have no time to study okay that could be a problem or if they're not giving you enough exposure that could be a problem uh, so things to consider i guess uh so that's I guess, how i kind of utilize that tool was other people utilize the tool uh to just rule in or rule out programs um and then as they got a little bit further in the process, and of course now, you know, February is just around the corner, we're thinking about ranking and actually putting a rank order list into a computer system for international match registration program. Like, now the thinking is shifting. It's like, okay, cost of living. (laughs) (laughs) Some of these people who, you know, they spend a lot of time looking at board scores and looking at pass rates um, are now shifting and going, well, What's feasible? Now, I have my own personal opinion. I don't think that that's the... I, that, I don't think it was the right decision for us. Like, I think if I would have gotten, let's say, a residency interview in Las Vegas... Well, not Las Vegas, Los Angeles. Uh, say Los Angeles, for example, it's like, well, that might have been pretty neat. Like, uh, UCLA, let's say, I could, never never, never going to happen. Uh, <laughs> but Let's say I applied to UCLA because they had great board scores... And then I got an interview, and then I'm think we're thinking about our rank order match, and go, well, that would be a lovely program, but like we can't afford to live in L A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like now I'm gonna rank them super duper low, or not at all, because like even if we match there, we couldn't we couldn't possibly live in L A. Uh, <laughs> with with a family of seven. Uh, so I, my my general thought process is, is like okay, well, don't apply to places you don't even intend to live at.
1: Uh, right. Well, but I mean, it is how everybody, all the variables are being looked at by everybody. It's just in what order they were being looked at, right? right. It's just kind of interesting to see the process. But I think that is a fairly decent discussion yeah. for today.
0: Yeah, we did. <laughs> we not I want to basically be able to kind of edit these this podcast, my little rudimentary edit, I guess, and upload it in a reasonable time. Get to bed at a reasonable time, and I'm eyeballing my new hobby that came in the mail today. So, I'm deciding whether I'm going to be able to work no. on that today. Oh, we'll see. No, uh, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, <laughs> if you want to um, send us a message or anything like that, um, Med Family MD
1: on, on Instagram.
0: Instagram uh, is the way to reach us, and then. If you want to uh, subscribe to our podcast, obviously, if you're listening to it, I'm assuming you are on a podcast streaming site. So, But if you want to subscribe to it, um, you know we're on all the major podcasts, channels, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Um, if you want to rate us five stars, that's always fantastic. It helps us, I guess, um, you know, have a great rating and hopefully maybe get some more word out to other people. And again, this basically exercise and podcast is the uh maybe shine a little extra light on this whole process so that uh, people coming behind us will hopefully have an idea of what third and fourth year medical school is like. And of course, this whole season of fourth year electives and uh, match cycle is uh, what we're trying to shine to light on basically during these episodes. Uh, I think after we submit our rank order, probably in March is when we're going to start like really going uh, a little bit more in depth of some of this process i think we've been skirting them around it a lot but anyway we will uh, i spent a lot more time talking about it i think in march uh, um but yeah uh again subscribe to our podcast if you like uh, we will be back next week
1: bye